This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson and with me this week are Jim Spence and Sean Hamilton. Morning gentlemen, the sun is shining, well it is in Perth, it's shining your way is it Jim? <laughs> it is in Dundee as well. <laughs> oh, there we go. there we are, it's going to be a great week, wind's all round. Well, so what, we're away, are we a fortnight since Jack Ross was sacked? I think there or thereabouts aren't we? So Dundee United don't yet have a new permanent manager, don't think that's, don't think that's anything to, to panic about, I think it was, it was it was probably right that they took a, a deep breath. If ever, if ever there was a sort of a sacking that you you wouldn't have predicted at the start of the season, it, it was it was this one. And you know, you could I think anybody in charge at Dunyan you could be well excused for wanting to just stand back and you know, like I say, take deep breaths and assess the lie of the land and all the rest of it. But it's all been very quiet, hasn't it, Jim? As far as the replacement. Liam Fox has has had a couple of games as as caretaker. Um, are you getting the same feeling as I'm getting that this is kind of going to turn into a wee bit of a a procession, and Liam Fox will be the next manager at Dundee United Football Club? Well, I mean, I, I, it's you know you, you, you're kind of taking a punt, uh, an educated guess with all of this, um, Eric. But I mean, I'm, I'm working on the basis that. Had they had someone in mind, I'm pretty sure, you know, I mean, I know the Jack Ross one took away well, but I think they would have had someone appointed by now. Um, it's, you know, the, the, there's been a bit of time, there's been a bit of time to do it. I think there, there, there's several issues. One, um, tying in with the Dundee United model, Fox looks a good bet, it was the way they did it with courts, you know, bringing youth in. Um, Jack, you know, Jack was that kind of... Inter, uh, he, he, he was an interspersion, wasn't he? Between kind of the that that type of kind of young guy would give um, you know young players a chance, and and a, a more a slightly more mature kind of play, uh, manager who was probably more used to kind of you know doing his own thing than than working with that kind of director of football. You you know he, he, uh, the the youth model and all the rest of it. So I'm kind of minded that, that I mean suggested as McCollum the Courier last Saturday. I'm mind, I've been minded that, that they probably uh, will go for Fox. Maybe wrong, you know, but. Um, the, the big issue here is who's available at the minute. That's that's always you know. The, 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 there's many strings to this bow, isn't there? You know, who have we got? Do we have someone on the staff that can do it? Uh, do the players do the players get on with them? Do the players like them? Are the players comfortable? You know, can they play under them? Are they happy? Um, if we bring someone else in, do we have another situation like Jack Ross? It just doesn't work, and it doesn't work very quickly. Um, so. These these are gambles. I mean, they're right to take their time with it, I think, you know, and, and examine all their options and see what is out there. Um, and, you know, as I wrote a long time ago with courts, everything in football is a gamble. It doesn't matter whether it's a young coach you, you employ, whether it's a coach with lots of experience or a coach with loads of experience, everything is a gamble. The problem for United now is I don't think they can afford to take a big gamble. Um, now, is, is Liam Fox a, a, a gamble? Arguably. But I still think there's, I've said it for a long time, I think there's a, there's a squad there that is... Uh, you know, more than capable of finishing, I think, in the top six. They lack pace. That's that's one of the issues. But by and large, as a squad, that's, that looks like a very good squad. Um, if you can bring someone in, or who you know, to, to the first-team coach role who is already there, who the players got on with, who the players are happy with, who can tailor things to suit the players, and he's had a couple of decent results already, a win and a draw, um, then to me... Uh, it strikes me as as, as potentially the, the the model that United would want to pursue. Yeah, Sean. I mean, I I think I would agree with Jim. And so much as what we've seen in terms of the model, you could say that courts certainly 
certainly since this model really came into effect, Quartz has has painfully been the most successful. So you can say that straight off the bat, you know, it would would make sense to go back to that model. Also, I create the the circumstances for them are horrendous because you like to say, no, you just could not have predicted, could not have predicted that Jack Ross, they would have to get rid of Jack Ross or feel that they were in a position where they had no choice but to get rid of Jack Ross a few weeks into season. So it's just automatically, you know, the landscape just isn't what it would have been even in the summer when they were looking, if they'd been looking for a new manager. But I think when you, but when you step back and you look and you think, Liam Fox, 38, even less, I think even less experience as a, as a frontline manager than, than Tam Courts. I mean, Tam Courts had, you know, we kind of look at Kelty Hearts as they were, as some sort of, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't, but you know what I mean? A lot of people would look at it as some sort of footballing irrelevance, but, you know, it wasn't, he was, he was, you know, he was learning things when he was manager at Kelty Hearts. Uh, Liam Fox had a few months at Cowdenbeath in the most bizarre circumstances. I remember, you know, I, I used to do a fair bit covering all the, the different clubs at that point and, it just felt like it was. I I thought the the that sort of that sort of arrangement was wholly disrespectful to Cowden Beath at the time. It was almost like, it was like a lone manager. It was like you know Craig Levine sending out Liam Fox to go and you you uh, cut your teeth out there, and then we'll bring you back. You know, and for me that was the sort of time when the you know this isn't a Cowden Beath Cowden Beath based podcast, but that was the time when things started to go badly wrong at Cowden Beath, you know, and uh, okay, Liam Fox would have learnt his lessons gone back, but that that is it. You know, that is it. So it's whatever way you look at it, yes, he could fit the model. Yes, the circumstances are a bit of a nightmare for recruiting a new manager. Yes, another thing, the the money's probably dried up. How do you budget for you know for paying off one manager and, and appointing another one? So he is quite clearly the cheapest option. But it's still an enormous, enormous gamble, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yes, but no more so than Tam Courts was, I don't think. Uh, yeah, the, and, and you mean you've touched on the discrepancy or apparent discrepancy in, in, in their relative experience. But probably I mean, quite I similar. It is, I mean, it is quite yeah, similar. Yeah, broadly I similar, I would say, despite that. So, yeah, I don't think any more so than, than Tam Courts. And, I mean, going back to when Tam Courts was appointed, I remember. On a on a personal level, saying that, that I quite ad- admired the the kind of chutzpah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. of the of the appointment, <clears throat> and uh, I mean I can't I, c- I couldn't possibly say that I feel any differently. I, I would feel any differently whether you appoint Liam Fox. I quite I quite admire it. Um, and yes, as you say, it does it does appear to fit the model, and it appears to fit the model to to my mind more so than Jack Ross did um, when he was brought in. I think we've kind of covered this ground before. I I understand why Jack Ross was approached and 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 why they wanted Jack Ross to come in and take over when he did. Um, but clearly, uh, in retrospect, it, it wasn't the correct decision, and they, you couldn't have predicted it. You're right, but um, we are where we are now, and it would appear to me, under the circumstances, that going back towards the type of appointment that, that brought success with Tom Courts is probably the correct thing to be doing. So, uh, and, and that's for, for, for the reasons of, of 
it fitting with the model that the club's trying to work under. But also, I mean, you've touched on the finance one there, and there's no getting away from that. That is a factor now as well, um, because for all that, you know, there's a, a lot of money has been put into the club by, by Mark Ogren. That is not a bottomless pit, and neither should it be. Um, so to expect the club to go out and, and pay absolute top dollar for another experienced manager um, under these circumstances is, is ridiculous because clearly, you know, Jack Ross will end up costing them a fair bit of money, you know, in terms of a payoff. So it, one, you wouldn't expect them to be able to afford it. Two, the result didn't go the way they wanted it to. So why would you double down on it? So yeah, it's it's Liam Fox would, would be a cheaper option and he would be an option that is aligned with the kind of, of head coach they've had success with before. So um, going going back to right at the start of this process after Jack Ross was 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 sacked, I think we said here, you know, who can you see coming in next? And, and uh, you know, Mystic, Mystic Meg here. I did say I thought Jack Liam Fox had a chance if he was able to go and get a, get a couple of wins. He's got one. Uh, against Livy and he and he got a draw against Motherwell with a performance that maybe wasn't quite there in the same way it was at Livingston. But but uh, as I think Lee Lee Wilkie said in his column, what what they did show at Motherwell was was a bit of digging, a bit of fighting, and that shows that there's a group of players there who, while you know there's obviously still work to be done with them, they're they're at least willing to to get stuck in for Liam Fox and playing under Liam Fox. So that is a is a, is a big positive as well if you're looking at, for anyone looking to make the decision about who comes in. If the players fancy him, he appears to tick other boxes as well. So to my mind, it looks it looks fairly straightforward. You know, I'm not sure it would do any harm to hang on even until after the Rangers um, <clears throat> game because if they go and play well, you know, I mean, even if it's a narrow defeat, you know, if they go down to Ibrox and it's 1-0 or 2-1 or something like that, Bluntly, no. Uh, anything these days against Rangers or Celtic, given the vast disparities of wealth and the players they can attract, is it, it, almost a moral victory. What does it tell so, you, though, that a game like this, though, Jim? I mean, because, like you say, they, they 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 could get battered. Does that inform you anymore? Well, no. I mean, the thing is, Eric. He, he, I mean, he's been part of the, you know he's been part of Tom Court's coaching stuff for a long time, so he's been a bit tired of this for a while now. He's comfy with the players. The players are presumably comfortable with him. Otherwise, I don't think you know um, uh, Tony Asgard and the board would have put him into that, that position. So you know, there's obviously a degree of comfort there. The players if they want them will go and, and, and bust a gut on on Saturday to you know to let the board know I mean and, and things happen you know in the nature of things I mean we're fortunate in the respect that we get a kind of a closer end to clubs than, than than fans do, but we still don't get all of the ends. You know, we don't know all of the dynamics that go in round about the you know the, the dressing room, the training ground, the boardroom. You know, and and increasingly as the game becomes more kind of uh, you know tighter and tighter, uh, more tightly controlled with PR people and all the rest, that you get less and less. Um, but I mean, there'll be a dynamic about the place where there is a degree of of comfort with the players and and, and him himself. It's not like he's been kind of suddenly pitched in from the reserves. He's never worked with the first team. He's very he's a part of the fabric of that whole thing. So um, 
I think if they go down and, and, and get a decent result against Rangers, then the, the odds have to shorten even further if he's not been appointed by that time. You know, if no one's been appointed by then and they get a, a decent result against uh, against Rangers, then you're entitled to fit. Because they've got two very difficult games coming up. A St. Johnson, I'm not sure we'll touch on that. A St. Johnson, who looked to me to be reinvigorated under Callum and his new signings. And an Aberdeen side uh, under Jim Goodwin, who are definitely reinvigorated. So, you know, you, you don't want to come out of the Rangers game uh, and go into the Saints game without a manager. But I think you can afford to go into the Rangers game um, and, and play it by year there, you know. Yeah, sure. I'm bit results change things, as Jack Ross well knows. You know, if United, if United, if you haven't appointed him before Ibrox, and they take a six or seven, how does that look? And you know, Monday morning, you know, and ah, oh, here we go. We've got our, our new manager. Does that affect things? I mean, I actually think that the fact that they didn't have Hibs may be a may make it an easy not an easier appointment because if had they lost to Hibs say and and it was another it was a it was a performance that was you know of a theme to what had been on before it's it's a it's a much harder sell I don't actually expect them to go Iros and get and get badly beaten because I think I think I think they'll probably set up you know by all accounts it was quite a defensive dogged performance at Fur Park and I think it was like some of the 35 35 percent possession for United that day so they'll do something similar they'll probably lose two or two or three you know maybe four one something like that you know and then you can just it just it just moves on without anything really changing but you know football football games do uh do change do change the background music they they do but I don't I I actually think the result in in this instance is, is less important than the manner of the performance I think that's the big thing when you go away to to Ibrox especially under these circumstances it's it's not that oh he needs to go there and, and and pull a win out the bag or anything like that they don't I think if they go there you know they could take a defeat but as long as they approach the game in the correct manner and they're not absolutely ripped apart then uh, I mean, I, I would still think that that would that would count as a positive and um, for Liam Fox getting the job. You know, if 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 they turn up and and are organised and you know if they get a draw, that would be phenomenal. Um, I, I, and I think that would probably hundred percent tip it over the line. But even if they do get beaten, if they're if they if they look like a football team, <laughs> because there, there there were a few occasions under Jack Ross, that's why he got the sack. You know, where they just didn't. Um, so if 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 they go there and they're organised and they and they and they approach the game correctly and the attitudes are spot on, then I think that that's probably that'll probably be enough for them as well. Uh, to be honest, um, at this point, because it does it does it does kind of have the feel of <laughs> of kind of a procession towards Liam Fox at this point. Uh, isn't no, it? it does. I mean, Jim, we're, we're, he's not been appointed, but let, let's let's find him a number two. <laughs> Who, uh, is it important he gets a, a senior man as his uh, as his wingman, or does again does that does that not matter so much these days? <coughs> no, are, we, are, we, are we are we are we harking back to the, the you know sort of the days of you know Paul Sturrock with uh, John Blackley and that sort of thing? Does, does it does it bother you age experience for something like that, or is it the biggest thing just somebody he can? He can work with well in football. It matters. That's the first thing to say. I mean, you know, the the the, the whole idea of having a 
um, you know, a, a second in command, if you want, who's the, the, the kind of link sometimes between the dressing room, um, the players, kind of good cop, bad cop, and the dressing. I mean, that, that to some extent, the game's changed that way, you know. But um, it's important you have that link. That there's, a, I think a, it did for Jack Ross, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's face well, it, doesn't yeah, football exactly. doesn't change that much. An alternative pair of eyes, an alternative pair of ears, um, and and it is important. I mean, I always think that the, the best bosses are bosses who actually listen to what people have got to say. They don't necessarily always act on it. But there's no point in having a number two if, if if you don't ever listen to him, you know, or, or her. Uh, and it's going to be a ham. I mean, I don't think United or Scottish football is ready yet to appoint a woman, you know. Maybe they should, but that's, that's another argument for another day. Um, so you, you need a number two who I think you you, you trust for, for one thing. There's no, no any point in having a yes man Um Although ultimately the, the boss is always in control, so you need someone. Um, and if you can identify the right kind of individual, and frankly, it really doesn't matter whether they're 25, 35, or, or, or 65, you know, I mean, um, Davy Bowman's been helping out. I mean, Davy's been about the place for a long, long time. Um, I, I don't know, might Davy be one, or, or, or you know, might they simply rejiggle re- re- uh, things about, or, you know, given Liam Fox's contacts in the game, he'll know plenty of people. Um, that he can bring in, and I think the secret is to bring in people that uh, bluntly, that not only can you work with, but the players will have a respect for and can work with as well. I mean, you know, we, we talked and we kind of touched on on this on podcasts and columns and, and articles and all the rest of it. Player power. I mean, sometimes overdo that. I mean, the, 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 you know, the, the days of serfdom in football you know, we're going even before Bosman, you know, and dressing rooms have always been kind of um, areas where cliques form and, and there's strong opinions and less strong opinions and opinions put to the boss and fallouts and all the rest. That's the nature of human life. Football's not any different from, you know, the rest of humanity and, and, and workplaces in that respect. Um, so, you know, opinions will be thrown up in the air, bashed back and forward and all the rest of it between managers, players, coaches. Um, you need someone that I think you can rely on, who has experience, who the players also will um, will appreciate and, and take to. Um, I think that's important. If, if that's a kind of, if that's a suggestion of player power, then that's a simple fact of life. There's not a point in bringing someone in who is going to upset the apple cart. Um, that that <clears throat> that's pointless. That that that's. I mean, you know, that's why. I mean, one or two pals of mine said, "Big Dunk's the right kind of guy." You know, and I mean, one guy said to me. Uh, and this is a guy steeping me football. He put someone up against the wall. <laughs> that kind of stuff went a long time ago. A long time. You just don't get away with that in employment nowadays, you know. Um, so that, that, I'm not, not I'm saying dunk would have, but I mean, you know, that that, that kind of a, that kind of mentality still exists among some some fans. That you know, the, 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 that's how to sort of dress. Around. That's that's gone. That's that's miles away from from <clears throat> the way football runs and should run nowadays. It's got it's a different world from that. So you've got to bring in someone who has experience and. It doesn't necessarily mean 30 years worth of experience, but is experience in terms of coaching, in terms of manage, managing people um, and listening to people as well. So, I mean, it'll be an intriguing one. I don't know who the, who he has in mind, whether it might be that David Bowman kind of finds himself kind of, you know, uh, promulgated up from, from what he's been doing or, or whether they go for someone different entirely. But w- whatever, you need a number two, that's for sure. Oh, I mean, Sean, the... The coaching, the coaching setup. There's no, there's not many numbers there, are there at the moment? Because Adam mm. Ashkar went mm-hmm. well, be- well, we were between podcasts. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they probably need a couple, don't they? Charlie Mulgrew, just get him to step up now. Uh, I don't. Well, if he's got his badges, does he have his badges? Yeah. Um. Presumably. Presumably. I guess most most players at the, at that stage of their careers probably will, if that's the direction they want to move in. Um. I mean. 
you, you could do. I think it was uh, it would be interesting though because if you're, I mean, if you're still playing, and uh, how would you combine that with the coaching thing? Because you've got to train yourself, don't you? And then direct the training while training yourself. I suppose it is possible, but it would probably. I think the fact that he's still on the books might might be slightly problematic on that front because otherwise it's it's definitely something that you could see happening isn't it um because he's 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 the right the right age and uh he's got the really really good experience and, and the kind of experience that younger players would would look up to certainly because because of the level he's played at um i mean actually you could throw Stephen fletcher in that camp as well couldn't you because uh, a sort of similar stage um but no i mean i i i mean Looking at it, I would imagine they're going to bring in from outside um, a number two because, as you say, they do need they do need bodies in there now, um, and, I, and I do think the fact that Mulgrew and, and etc. are still playing is probably a, a barrier of some sort there, certainly to be an assistant. So I would uh, I would imagine that they'll bring someone in from outside, which which begs the question of who might it be, you know? Because um, what 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 what. What school of thought do you uh, do you follow uh, <laughs> when you're looking for a number two, and you're bringing the guy, the number, the guy who's going to be number one? Let's assume it is Liam Fox for a minute. Then you know he's he's going to be brought in from within the club. He's already there. Um, you're bringing someone in from outside. I mean, I suppose this is the question: Do you go for the sort of the PR appointment, the the box office kind of appointment, the returning hero sort of thing? Yeah, um, the John Daly as an type. option. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That'd be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Because he's a, obviously a a beloved, beloved figure amongst the United fans. Um, I'm, I'm sure they would they would be quite happy to have John Daly back if that's the way they go. I think you, you, I mean, you've got to be careful. I mean, you know, Big Tony did say a few weeks ago, it was only caught in popularity with just a bit of point Hegarty and Malpas. And I knew what he meant. <laughs> I mean, he was having a laugh, you know. But I mean, it, it, you know, it was a throwaway comment that actually made a lot of sense. If you're only caught in publicity, I mean, that's, that's mm. why it's a, it's a very difficult, you know, you know it's, um, this is an intriguing one because, um, you know, it's not only managers that get stuck. I mean, you know, from the time of Jim McLean when he was chairman, he got stuck. Harry Thompson didn't get quite so much because of, you know, his illness and all the rest of it. Stephen Thompson got interminable stick. You know, Mike Martin wasn't there as chairman long enough to get it. Big Tony gets it in the neck all the time, you know. Um, <clears throat> but him along with his board and Mark Ogren, who, who ultimately made decisions, these are tough decisions to, to make. You know, it's it's not easy appointing the manager of a football club because, as we've seen, it can go horribly wrong horribly quickly. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody expected that, you know, irrespective of what people thought about Jack Ross coming in, some wanted him, some didn't, somewhere in between. I don't think anyone thought that that, that, that kind of meltdown um, you know, we are seven nil and a nine nil. Was even freakish, possible that would happen? Freakish, yeah, that, that's right. And and you know, the, the, there are times in football clubs' history when these sort of things happen, and and there's huge pressure on the people in charge to to respond with calm heads, with gravitas, with thoughtfulness, uh, and all of these things. It's not easy. These, these are these are characteristics that lots of people don't have, and that, that's why I think that they've been absolutely right. I mean, it has been kind of radio silence, you know. Um, for a wee while uh, because we're, we're all keen fans are keen journalists are keen for an appointment to be made so we've got something to talk about write about podcast about um, but United I think have been sensible here um, you know just kind of sitting down thinking this through because there are many things to, to think through 
and sometimes just kind of give the passage of time, um, you know, um, let things breathe a wee bit, let things, let camera turn uh, before you make that decision, you know. And I think, I mean, the number two is important, but it's not, um, you know, it's not the number, the number two will not make or break things. It's the man in charge. I mean, you know, most clubs, people, you know, unless it's a really high profile one, people forget who the number two is almost as soon as he's appointed. Um, so the number two is important. Can he take coach? Can he does he have his badges? Can he take a coaching uh, um, session? You know, can he uh, get on with the players? You know, maybe can he handle the media when he's got to stand in for the, for the the head coach or manager? All of these things are important, but um, it's not as important as getting the right coach. You know, uh, and and the coach. I mean, I'm sure that the coach. Well, I don't think that. You know, we, um, if Liam Fox is appointed, and I think there's every chance that he will be, I don't think you would have someone imposed on him. I think they would they, they would want to, given the experience they've been through, you would want to make sure the ship is as calm and as stable as possible. So there'd be no point pitching the wrong man in. Right, Saints, Sean. Uh, I don't know what you made of this this, this St. Murn game and the and the the end of the the end of the transfer window. We, you kind of you hope that. Nicky Clark would be this sort of transformative figure, and I don't actually, you know, he was by no means was it a nine out of ten per- performance from him individually, but he did a lot of things right, and he did a lot of things that made the team look look better. Um, just all in all, it, it did feel like a bit. I'm, I'm, it wasn't a. It's, it was one game and all the rest of it, but there was a lot of parts. All of a sudden, you thought, oh, they're working a. They're working a bit more efficiently, effectively. Was that the sort of impression you got as well? Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, hundred percent. That's exactly it. I think. I think we we go back to the to kind of post Aberdeen, and then uh, obviously we kind of the Rangers one was a, was a bit of a write off, and then we talked about the importance of these fixtures coming up, and and I think one of the well, two, I, I, I don't think I know two of the criticisms after the Aberdeen game that I made directly were the fact that we needed a a hold up striker, and tactically. Uh, Cal needed to find a way to get the fullbacks higher up more quickly, and I think against the Mirren, Nicky Clark illustrated the value of the hold-up striker very clearly, uh, because that is uh, a really, really kind of strong part of his game. Um, it certainly was at Dundee United, and, and it, it, I suspect it will be at St Johnston as well, because I thought he was he was excellent at it, and he gave he gave St Johnston a, a dimension that they hadn't properly had for a long time just giving others the um, chance to get up and join him exactly maybe. yeah it's just that that strength and that canniness and and you know if he if he is in direct contact with a the defender then he's strong enough to and canny enough to either hold them off or win a free kick you know or uh, get away from them for long enough to to allow players up in support um, and then obviously he, he also showed that he's 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 in the six yard box to to score the goal as well. So um, I mean those are the two things that that he's got about him. He's a great hold up player and he's averaged eleven goals a season over his career. So I mean that's he's given you on his debut exactly what you would have been wanting from him. Um, so I thought he was he was very good uh, and bo- uh, his presence bodes well for the future. The other thing was the fullbacks getting higher up the pitch and I think they did that particularly as the game wore on and um, I mean I, I, I did <clears throat> excuse me sorry the, the first <clears throat> the first um, kind of 20 minutes or so of the of the first half I did have slight concerns that, that while Nicky Clark was, was doing really well up top I, I did want to see oh, was a bit cagey, Dre Wright in particular it? getting higher 
and uh, and his position on the right hand side. But I think he did do that as the game went on, and you know some decent crosses started coming in. And actually, I think the point where the the, the cross came in for Nicky Clark's first goal. Uh, I think I saw someone. I might be wrong here, but I think I, there were six St. Johnston players in the box at that time, which was a big criticism previously because of the way that the team was sort of squashed. And at the back, it was taking so long for people to get forward that the crosses, you know, the long diagonal was coming out from the back. If it got to the opposite fullback, the cross went in. There was often only one person there. Um, so the the difference is, is is stark if you manage to get six people up in the box. So um, I I thought they were they were vastly improved, particularly after they took the lead uh, in the game. And yeah, I I I'm really really pleased with Nicky Clark, and and, and I think if we if, if St Johnson can keep him fit, that will be massive going yeah. forward. Um, yeah. So I mean, I do think there are there are still issues. I think midfield wise, it wasn't quite where you would want it to it be. But the performance it was a, it was in a, general it was, was a bold was good. selection, wasn't it? I mean, and I, I don't think yeah. it worked all the time. By, but uh, he does he does make these selections sometimes, Callum Davis, and you think you know, you, oh, for huge games, you think you know he really puts his he doesn't shy away from big decisions, doesn't he? Because a centre a central midfield of Melker Halberg and Graham Carey. You know, for a for a game against a you know a physical Sunderland, well, they're all physical teams in the top flight. You know, that's there isn't there isn't really a tackle amongst those two. That's a that's a bold call. You know, and there was times at that start of that second yeah, half both, where you just, both ball players. You just need somebody. You thought, oh, this is there's a danger. You know, Sunderland are getting ahead of steam here. But there you go, and and you have to say the result result bears it out. Jim, just before we finish on Nicky Clark, I like you know what I like a lot. Is about the fact that when a striker, t- I mean, he took, he would, I don't know what his wages at Saints compared to United, probably won't be too too different. But there was a there was a there was a comfort zone for him to to stay in at United for the rest of this season. Certainly, you know, a place he's well respected, fans like him. There was no clamour to get him out the door. That's for sure. In fact, a lot of people were saying, I'd rather see him in the team than yeah. than Tony Watt, for example. So <clears> it wasn't <throat> as if you know United fans were were pushing him out. If anything, you know, a lot of them were saying we want to see a bit more of him. Um, so there wasn't that. I like that, the fact that he's decided he wants to be the main man at a club. And I also like, I also think there's an intangible about a, a striker who, yes, I mean, you're not, you can't guarantee he'll score on his, on his debut, but he knows, he knows the chat St. Johnson has been about the lack of a number nine. He couldn't, you know, he would have had to let, lived in Siberia, you know, rather than, you know, working at, at Dun United to, to not know that. So he'll have known that there's been a huge emphasis on this missing link for the team, but he's quite, he's embraced it and he stood up and he thought, yeah, yeah, I quite like the spotlight being on me. And there you go. He's, he scored the opening goal and, and put in a good performance. That's, that's two big boxes ticked for me. Yeah. I think he's made a great first impression. I think that's the important thing. I mean, you, you always, you always get the sense, um, you know, I mean, just what you said there, two things. I mean, speaking to, you know, one Saints fan of my acquaintance uh, during the week said to me, just got one. we'll save, we'll save our season. <laughs> you know, I've actually got quite a lot, you know, but uh, we'll <laughs> save our season. Now that, that's, that's intriguing. Uh, but generally speaking among Saints fans, that I know it's been overwhelmingly positive. Um, and lots of United fans have wondered why United have let him go. So that, you know, on, on both sides, that looks good. He's also he's joining a side that I think he's, he's joining a club. I think that are in the process of reinvigoration, um, Eric. You know, I mean, 
that's five goals, you know, shot shy, but five goals, isn't it, in the last two games? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the, you look through, I mean, you get close to last season's total already. Ah, well, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'd almost forgotten about the right. I mean, you're looking to Kerry, Considine, Clark, Murphy, McGowan, McLennan, you know, I mean, Saints just look kind of completely rebooted. I mean, you've got uh, uh, Wotherspoon will be coming back shortly, won't he? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he will be. Away. You know, yeah. so, I mean, there's a whole kind of first-team squad being kind of rebuilt. It's, it doesn't seem that long ago that we were actually talking about Saints trying to get their average age down. And, and now it's kind of, you see it kind of sneaking up again, but it, it's hardly kind of uh, Methuselah. But I mean, I think Clark um, has has taken the decision, do I want to kind of be the man who comes off the bench for half an hour? Or do I want, I mean, I can understand a guy in his 36, 37 thinking, okay, you know what? That half hour suits me. I can come on, strut my stuff, do my stuff for half an hour. That's all I've got left in the tank. Nicky Clark's a million miles short of that. He's, he's, he's got, you know, in the parlance, he's got a really good engine. He's physically a very fit player. He's an intelligent player. He leads the line well, kind of back to goal, link up play, can take a goal, as we said, can take a penalty. You know, there's a lot to be impressed about, I think, in, in this signing. Uh, and I think it'll turn out to be a very good signing indeed for St. Johnson. I think it's been a very smart move. And it's one, to be honest with you, it's kind of surprised me. Um, I, I am surprised that the, uh, you know, the lot of, listen, I mean, I don't Dundee think Jack Ross would. I think, I, th- I could be wrong here. Mm-hmm. I think, I think things changed when. Jack Ross got sacked. I th- it could have been, It could that could be a sliding doors moment for St. Johnson as well as as well as Dundee United because I think Jack Ross would have been more reluctant to to let him go and and United wouldn't have needed. Let's face it, United would have welcomed the cash. You know we don't exactly know what the transfer fee, but it's a it's a player off the wage bill and they and they got a transfer fee and so you know it's. I well, may I've, well. I've heard, I've heard. I've heard different. You know, I've heard anywhere from fifty to hundred grand. I mean, who, who knows with these things? You know, eventually, I suppose it'll turn up in the book somewhere. But um, I, I just think it's a very good signing. I really do think it's a very good signing for Saints. I mean, I think he brings loads and loads to to a side that that kind of. I know what you're saying there about midfield, maybe still an area, but I think they they have strengthened at the back. All of a sudden, you know, they look lively. I mean, I I thought the goals. You know, I thought the goals were all really neatly, neatly they built were, at the were. weekend. And I thought, you know, the, see, the, I loved the third one. Just a smart so look I. up by the goalie, bang, <laughs> 60 yards up the park. Great Good run job. by, it was McLennan, yeah. wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. You know, and Scythe down, otherwise I think he was going to, at least he was going to get a shot on target, put it away. You know, uh, 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 Clark took his opening goal beautifully, you know, chest it down, high in, high in the box, chest it down, nicks it away. I mean, you can argue that it was badly marked and all the rest of it. You know, we only play what you're up against. I thought, um, you know, there was loads to be pleased about. We, we, against the Saints, a St. Martin side who were, I thought, really impressive at Tandice. Honestly, I thought physically strong, quick, athletic, um, and going for their fourth win, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it? Mm-hmm, uh, since mm-hmm. first consecutive win since way back. Um, that, was a, that was a very good win, and Clark played a big part in that. The eye-opener um, for me, I, I mean, Nicky Clark was as I'd hoped he would be, and he... he you know, he, he did the things well that he, you really hope that he would he would bring to that team. Conor McClellan, I don't know why he's one of these players. Sometimes players arrive and you, you know you've seen him play against in games you've been covering, but you don't really have a strong memory of uh, of of how they play. And I had Conor McClellan, I had him as a sort of you know just one of these, not a winger, but you know one of these sort of. Off the, off the wing type thing, cutting in on on, on the right time. I can I could didn't have a clear picture. He was he got a lot of games under Dermot McInnes, but I didn't have a real clear picture of what type of player he was. See when he came on and after speaking to him afterwards, he's a big he's a big strong guy, and I actually th- I actually think 
the Stevie May and Nicky Clark partnership worked well. I think Callum Davison might have in his mind Conor McClellan as a really good foil for for Nicky Clark. Just that that run, I don't know about you, Sean. I thought I was like, wow, you know, that was well, a, that was a, that was a sort of moment for me thinking he's if he's going to be that type of player, that could be a real game changer for Saints as well. It'd be a much more that would be a much more mobile partnership. With all due respect to Stevie, it'd be a much more mobile partnership, wouldn't it? You know, um, a bit of pace, a bit of zip about it, and that's important in the game. I mean, Stevie graphs he graphs away, and and the two of them did link up well. And and we spoke to to Stevie for the preview of the game that didn't happen, and you know he did. He wasn't he wasn't uh, downplaying the comparison between. Uh, you know, May and Clark and, and May and McLean, you know, because it did have that, it did have a bit of that kind of feel about it because Nicky Clark isn't a dissimilar type of player to uh, to Stephen McLean. But, you know, Sean, I, you, you, you saw a lot more of Conor McLean. Did you have a, did you have a clear picture of, of the type of role you you would imagine him playing in a, in a Saints side? Um Yeah, but it's probably quite similar to, to, to what you saw. Um I, He did, he did, Play a fair bit under Dennis McInnes. I mean, he didn't he didn't start too many games. He more often than not he was coming off the bench, but he did have a wee spell of starting games. But the way that that Derek McInnes used to set his Aberdeen Aberdeen team up was like a four two three one sort of thing, um, and he would be one of the three behind the striker if you like. Um, usually with like, like say, Niall McGinn, Johnny Hayes, you know, and him for instance. That that would be an example of the three, and. Uh, what I mean, what they would tend to do is sort of swap around through the course of the game. You know, every sort of five ten minutes they would kind of shift. So he would he would take spells on the right, on the left, and then more centrally kind of in behind during the course of a game. So he he was he was sort of a bit of versatility in an attacking sense uh, in that front. But he was never he was never sort of the 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 number nine type um, directly up top. And I don't think I ever saw him playing a two. Um, so that that's that would be a new one, but I can I can absolutely see um, the value in what you're saying of him being a foil to a Stevie May, for instance, or um, or sorry, a Nicky Clark, a foil to a Nicky Clark, uh, because yeah, that I mean he is he, he's quick, um, and he he what he definitely is capable of doing, and, he, and indeed he seems to like doing is is running at people with the ball at his feet as well, um, and. I think you know if if we've got if we've got Nicky Clark successfully holding the ball up and bringing people into the game, I think that, that you know his pace would be very very useful alongside that. So, um, Sean, I, I, no, I was just going to ask you, where does Michael O'Halloran fit into this big picture? Now? He, he doesn't really at the minute. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Just I just want. I mean, I, I like O'Halloran. I'm a fan, but he just you know he flats to deceive so many times, and I'm just I'm looking at what's being built here, and I'm thinking I'm not sure there's a place there. No, for I don't, I th- he's he's way down the pecking order at the moment. There's you know, like you say, things can change, but gosh, I'm trying to think back to the last time Michael Halloran was consistently good. I mean, he, he had a very had a couple of very very good games in the the double winning season, but he was by no means a regular. Um, his last really good game was probably when he played through the middle against Rangers at the start of last season when he scored a really good goal. I think that's probably, yeah, so it's fits and starts to be kind. That's for sure. He does does strike me as a guy that probably needs a a new challenge now. Uh, But, you know, funnier things and all the rest of it, he has, you know, if Dre Wright got an injury, he would would be a more, 
he's more natural for a wing back role than you know a James Brown in my opinion, just be, because of all the stuff that Sean was saying 10, 15 minutes ago. You know, of getting getting up high and if you're if you're wanting to pin teams back, but yeah, he's if 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 if, if Saints. If Callum's now looking for that ball carrying, travel at pace, forward, wide, or through the middle, he's behind Conor McClellan, isn't he? So there, there we go. Mm-hmm, definitely, yeah. Oh, Jim, you've seen a you've seen a lot of Dundee this season, haven't you? And what are you making of them since uh, did you you went to you went to the Falk, Did you go to the Falkirk game and the uh, Queens Park one? No, it was at the it was at the Queens Park one. Um, Queens Park one two weeks ago I mean, now, isn't it? You know, um, so I thought what, I, I was. What to make of the two Zacks? Um, well, uh, well, Rodden, of course, was he was going to be an injury worry uh, against Cove, wasn't he, for the the one that was uh, um, called off? But I mean, I, I actually I thought uh, they played uh, really well against Queen's Park. Actually, played very well also. But I thought by and large it was a, a, a really good performance from Dundee. I mean, if you're scoring three goals, you know, um, <clears throat> where Robinson were. You know, the opening penalty, then a blistering second goal, phenomenal goal, and Rudden poaching uh, at the back post for the, the third one. I mean, it was done It was done and dusted. Uh, well, I, I kind of thought it was done and dusted at 2-0, you know, after the 44th minute uh, goal, but, but it was certainly done and dusted by 70 minutes. Um, it was intriguing. I had a good blather with uh, uh, Cammy Kerr and, and Simon Murray, you know, the two Dundee boys on the pitch after it, and they were having a wee, well, they were having a wee tete-a-tete about, you know, was there a goal offside? It was, it was good crack, like, you know, but I mean, I thought, generally speaking, that um, Dundee were really, I thought, impressive. They were, they were impressive defensively because Simon Murray led the Queen's line very well. I thought Harry Sharp in the goal was excellent. He had a couple of uh, really decent saves. Uh, Robinson looks a, a real prospect, you know. I mean, I, I thought right throughout the side, McMullen was lively, uh, Mulligan. I, I just thought throughout the side, there was a, there was an energy and there was a zip about their play that, that, that looked very impressive because it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a very tough league. I mean, they're, they're already four points adrift of uh, the leaders here United and three behind Park Thistle. That'll change in a blink of an eye in the nature, the nature of this league. But Queens, you know, Queens are a club where there's a lot of money went in. I mean, Willie Hockey um, is a seriously wealthy individual, and, and and you know, there's money going into to Queens Park, and there's a lot of decent players. A young side, I mean, they are a young side, no doubt about that, and they will learn. But I thought Dundee put to the sword. I thought um, uh, pretty well, you know. So. It was a good performance all round. The, the, the goals um, were, were all impressive, albeit one was a penalty. But you know that's uh, that's the nature of the beast. The second goal was phenomenal and, and great poaching for the third one. So I think on the on the you know on the basis of what I saw, I, I think they look to me as though um, they're a decent side. They've got a bit about them on the bench as well. Um, you know you've got a decent goalkeeper in backup, which I think is always important. Uh, <coughs> McGowan and. Uh, Young Anderson on the bench. They're a bit kind of weak. I think there's no doubt. I mean, a chart with Gary Barlow after Putlin his funeral. I think undoubtedly he needs you know, Gary Barlow to strengthen. Gary Barlow. Gary Barlow. That's staring. Don't don't you dare. With a sing song, you know. With a sing song. Don't you dare cut that out. No, I had a chart with Gary Barlow after uh, uh, after the game, and um, I mean he will undoubtedly need to to strengthen. I mean he'll probably be 
free agents now, presumably, you know, but it will be. Um, he needs he needs to strengthen us. I think there's no doubt about that. But on the basis, he's got kind of this has got to be a you know be a this will be a tough ask. I mean, I think a lot of people are thinking because of Dundee's bigger budget and all the rest, of it, and they do have a big bu- a bigger budget than than the rest of the league. But it's not the kind of budget that that buys you utter dominance. You know, I mean, it's a kind of budget that will give you an advantage. But over the course of the season, he'll undoubtedly need um, he will need strengthening. But I thought there were a lot of positive signs, um, and I think that there is a kind of, as I say, there's a bit of tempo about them, there's a bit of energy about them, uh, good organisation about them, and there's a hunger about them which I think is, is really important. Um, I, I did want, you know, just as I asked a minute ago uh, about Halloran at Perth, one of the things I wondered about was I looked, I kept forlornly looking to see if McGinn might get a, sh- a shout at some stage, but he didn't. And I kind of wonder what the story is there now with Niall McGinn. It was, obviously it wouldn't have been um, Gary Bowers. I heard uh, he was one of the ones, signing, that, would, so, he was one of the ones yeah. that Gary Boyer would have been willing to let go in the, that, that, in the that's I mean there. there's I mean yeah, I, I, I dislike that phrase but there, there is probably an argument that you know that are the legs there for the kind of game that that, that will be required in the in, in the championship because you you know you, you need I think you need a bit of pace you need kind of energy you need um a, a lot of stamina about you about you I mean I'm a you know I think my, I'm an admirer of McGinn I think he's been a terrific player over the years but uh, my suspicion is that there's there's not much of a future for him um, at, at Dens um, under kind of under Gary Boyer, so you know that 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 that. But that's that that's football. That's the nature of football. I mean, what he needs to do, I think, probably is is a persuade the board to um, you know open the purse strings a wee bit. I'm not suggesting that they're not going to, uh, and try to bring in the um, you know probably you know his contact south of the border. I think will be very useful here. You know and. And bringing guys up that are free agents that are, that are desperate to play, um, I don't think there's any question that Dundee are, are not prepared to open. The, I think they just simply got beat uh, towards the end of the window with, with clubs who came in and gazumped them to use that phrase. You know, so I think he will undoubtedly need to strengthen. Strengthen, but I thought there were a lot of really good things um, that that they did in that game. I thought they were impressive. Um, it's 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 keeping it going. I think that's. Uh, Let's see, issues. And they've got his Inverness, I think, on uh, yeah, Inverness, yeah, on Saturday. You know, Inverness. so we chat with Dodgy last week. He's, he, you know, he was saying he's got about seven or eight injuries up there. You know, so uh, you know, that's a shame for for the wee man who, uh, you know, I got on very well with. It. I'm sure we all do. However, from Dundee's point of view, if he's still carrying that kind of those kind of injuries, it's, uh, that's a very good thing indeed. It gives them a a great chance to you know to pin another three points on the board. He's got uh, Sean. He does what he does have to do is keep, you know, he has to keep players happy or stop them being, uh, you know, he's with 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 not getting people out the door as you know as well as not bringing folk in. He's, he has got a big he has got a big first team squad there, Gary Boyer, isn't he? So that that's a job in itself, isn't it? You know, as the the winter months draw draw, and I'm not saying any of them are bad characters. Don't you know? There's a lot of them I don't know. So, but it's it's a management art, isn't it? That that Gary Boyer's going to have to going to have to display over the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if, if there are if there are players in the dressing room who are aware that you know circumstances being different, they wouldn't be there. Uh, you know, it's it, without sort of direct kind of hands-on management, it, it could be. Uh, a situation that kind of spirals a little bit. So yeah, you mean it's 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 one that 
there's a couple of ways you know you could play it you one of them would be to go and directly get your hands around the situation and and, and sit down with these players and, and kind of explain yourself and you know um be forthright with them about it and then the other one is just to completely shut them out <laughs> which you know uh some managers may choose to take i i, I don't know gary boyer so I, I don't know which option that he will choose if indeed he chooses either of those but um yeah it's 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 one way you have to manage managing personalities is as is as big if not bigger a part of management and then you know putting on sessions and what have you because you know, you bring a coach and staff in, and they they'll sort of assist you with the on the pitch stuff and 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 everything like that. The personality bit is, is a huge thing. But Gary Boyer's, uh, you know, he's a guy who's been around, uh, you know, big clubs um, for a lot of years, and you know, he's not a young he's not a young man. He's 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 been in the game for for a long time, been in management for a long time since he was relatively young on the coaching side of things you know having retired through injury when he was quite a young player so he's had lots of experience so uh, I would imagine that his, his his approach will be pretty yeah he'll be pretty confident in it it'll, it'll have it'll have served him reasonably well in the past and, and from instances where it hasn't served him well he would he would have learned from that and I'm sure at this stage of his career he's uh, he's not going to be phased by uh, the situation that he finds himself in at Dundee, um, I would imagine that he will he'll back himself to to either keep the dressing room happy or uh, keep those who aren't happy elsewhere. <laughs> He's not been phased, Jim, by a pretty, a very, very poor performance at Air. You know that was a that was a it was a it was a horror show, wasn't it? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, but they bounced back with a couple of wins. Um, I wonder if he's I wonder if he's learnt A, things about the league, B, things about his players after that one. Um, it was... Dundee United do... Sorry, Dundee. Dundee, you know, they've, they've notoriously had had a display like that in them, haven't they, over the, even in the, the years when... Even in the season when they got promotion under, under James McPay, there was two or three of those, weren't there? They, they will want to cut them out. I mean, they don't, you know... The, le- the less encouragement they can give the chasing pack, although Dundee are in the chasing pack at the moment, but you know what I mean, the less encouragement they can give them, the better, because you, you don't want this being a four or five team race, do you, deep into the season. United, uh, Dundee, sorry, want to, they want to really establish themselves early in this league, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the, the, the air thing, I mean, I mean, air are the front runners at the minute, and, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're there for a, um, a a reason. I mean, they are a good side. I mean, they've got kind of, Akin Yemo looks a, a, a terrific player, you know, strong and physical and intelligent, and, and you know, Mark McKenzie as well. Um, you know, I, I think that, the, the, I mean, they are quite an ambitious club. There's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of uh, big ambitions there at the moment in terms of like a redeveloping stadium, the squad and all the rest of it. And Lee, Lee Bullen's a, a, you know, I think is, is has all the potential to be a smashing manager. So, I think um, it, it, it was um, you know you use the term horror show. I don't know if it was a horror show. It certainly wasn't a. It certainly wasn't the result that they would have wanted. As, 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 as uh, you know, as the phrase I think that players tend to use nowadays, as though as though somehow or other, usually sometimes there are times that you wanted you know to get beaten. You know, I mean, um, it, it was a bad defeat for them. Um, uh, what it will have told, I think, Gary Boyer, is a lot about attitude. Um, 
And they certainly, there was nothing wrong with their attitude against Queen's Park. It was a really, it was a strong performance, a battle performance, a scrapping performance, you know. And, you you, you, you know, Sean's touched on it. I mean, you know, this is a guy that's managed at Blackburn, at Blackpool, at Bradford, at, at Salford. So <clears throat> he's not going to be phased, you know. The, the, he, he hasn't inherited a Dundee side that are the, you know, the 1961-62 League Champion European Cup semi-finalists. This is, a, this is a club that have been a kind of yo-yo club for a great many years now. And, you know, they, they've got big plans with new stadium, a new complex and all the rest of it. They've moved to Gardine Road, the college. A lot of good things happen at the club. They're trying to kind of rebuild, reinvigorate the club and all the rest of it. And he'll oversee that. He's a, you know, he's a nice guy. He's a really nice guy to to speak to, to deal with and all the rest of it. But, you, can, you know, you can't operate at that level of football without having a hard edge about you, which you absolutely need. So... Um, you know, when it comes to, he's got a big squad, but you know, depth of squad and depth of quality are two entirely different things. And he needs, he needs more quality. That's the issue, and that will undoubtedly mean players going out. You know, to, to accommodate the new players coming in. So, um, I think I'll take another three or four games. I think to absolutely get the measure of, of this squad in terms of you know whether they can maintain um, the attitude, the commitment, the drive, all, all you know the things that we talked about, the energy and the tempo and all the rest of it, that they've shown so far. I mean, but you know, from six played and ten points, it's probably a wee bit less I'd have thought that than maybe many Dundee supporters would have expected. I think most probably would have thought that they'd have been on maybe 13, 14 points at this stage. You know, the super optimists would have wanted full points, but it'll be a, it'll be a very very Tough league. Um, big, so big I think that, uh, Sorry, Eric. No, no, on you go. Finish off, Jim. No, I, I just I, I think that you know the, the measure of things, uh, as very often as the case, will be after. I, I don't necessarily say kind of a, a quarter of the season, but by the time you get kind of into about a third of the season, you know where a club is going. You know, you know, you know whether there's a club kind of heading for kind of mid-table mediocrity or, or or worse to the basement, or whether a club's got a serious chance at any level. I think of kind of you know um, pulling away and doing serious serious business at the top. And and you know, as far as I'm concerned, for Dundee, th- th- this is a make or break season. Dundee have to win promotion this season. You know, I mean, preferably by winning the league and coming up. But I mean, you know, a, a, a playoff win would would do as well. But we know the, the cards are stacked against any club in that situation. Albeit it's been done before, but you know Dundee, I think really need to win the league, and I think they should have enough um, about them in terms of the squad once he has uh, completed his strengthening, because I'm sure he's he, you know he's got maybe another couple of targets, maybe more uh, in his sights yet to bring in his free agents. It's biggie on on Saturday, isn't it, Sean? Inverness. I mean, at the start of the season, I thought Inverness were probably maybe just because we'd seen them against uh, against St Johnson and and they, they kept a lot of their kept a lot of their important players. I kind of had them down as as second favourites, maybe maybe probably still just about would. So you know, it's a and if Jim's right about them being weakened, this is a this is a sort of game that you really have to win, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it, uh, it's a game that you know if you're if you're um, if you consider yourself a title challenger or you want to go and win a, a title, it's a game that's at home, and therefore you would be wanting to win it um, in any case. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's kind of we've said this about Dundee over over a few seasons really, and I, I would actually even throw the one in which they were promoted through the playoffs into this as well, is that they've never. <laughs> they've never quite been. Uh, they've never been a consistent team, even when successful. In those, in in that season, anyway, you know, it was always a wee bit of up and down, and it would be a, a good result or a couple of good results, and then another another poor one, and then you know, it, there's never been that sort of solid kind of 
big long run that you see like a, a team who's going to go and, and get their hands around the league and, and really dominate if you like we've never really seen that from them uh, to any great extent um, so it's uh, if they want to go I think Jim sort of touched on this there as well if they want to go and win this league and I, yeah I agree I think that that's what they should be looking to do they should be looking to win the title here then yeah, it's a home game. Yes, Inverness are rivals, but you know, if they're if they're weakened, great. Go out and make a statement in this game in front of your own fans and 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 start getting those fans at home in particular on side and behind you, and start giving other teams in that league something to think about when they're coming to Dens Park or when Dundee are going to visit them. That you know they start to think right. These this is a serious outfit here. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think Dundee fans would obviously like to see it. I'd like to see it as well. I want Dundee to go and make a statement. Um, and now, now would appear to be a good time to do it. I think. Jim, where is where are you in in the uh, on the panic scale as far as our brother are concerned? <clears throat> well, it's worrying. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's 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 been a kind of mighty fall from grace, hasn't it? You know, six games played, two points. Um, <clears throat> I know that you know that. Uh, he's made a few signings looking for more again the only thing that concerns me when you start looking for signings when guys are free agents and all the rest you wonder why they're free agents you know you wonder what their fitness is as you try to bring them in but I mean somehow or other he's got to find a way to um you know, to reinvigorate the side to use that word again I've used it two or three times today but I mean that's you know I mean maintaining it was always, I think, going to be tough for for our growth. I mean, I think you know, uh, th- th- there's no doubt that the, the, the players, um, uh, you know, were exemplary in terms of their fitness, their attitude, and all the rest of it um, last season. Uh, th- th- it was a magnificent season for them. It's a hard thing to continue um, over the seasons when you're a part-time side. It's not. It's not so much that part-time sides are are um, are less fit. I mean, even the old days when you know you, the last half hour of the game would change. I mean, it's maybe narrowed down to 10, 15 minutes now. There are lots of things. I mean, for you know, if guys are playing, you know, training twice a week, but they're also many of them in physical jobs. You may be working as a plumber or a brickie or you know, or a driver. Some of them are teachers. You know, there's a, there's a whole mix of the trades and professions in there. But basically, guys, you know, guys are putting in kind of forty-hour weeks, um, and then they're having to get the training. They're not getting the rest. They're not getting the recuperation. They're not getting the kind of. I'm not getting the coaching either. I don't mean that in terms of the quality of coaching. They don't get the enough coaching you know they've got if you've only got guys twice a week you've got to work on their fitness for one thing you know and something's got to give if you've got players five days a week as opposed to two nights a week you can obviously do a lot more with them rest and recuperation is hugely important you know for um, muscle pulls strains injury you know um, just you know keeping keeping uh, play, your players at a level of fitness making sure they get all of the um, all of that rest and recuperation that they need when they're injured when they've got a strain you know thigh strain a calf strain or, or whatever there's a, there's a, there's 101 things that go against part-time players and that's not to say that they can't maintain it over a season or so like they did last season but sometimes it just kind of catches up with you um, and, and also, what also catches up with you is people know that there are no any mugs anymore. So, you know, whereas there might have been kind of 10% of a reduction in effort, not, you know, not, not deliberately from other teams, but there might have been a thought, this is our growth, you know. Um, my last season, very quickly, 
people realised they were up against a a very good side, a very fit side, and a very organised side. Um, for all the reasons that I've just kind of you know mentioned, um, it's, it's it's been a much more sluggish start to the season, and, and they kind of I suppose they need to extract the digit quite quickly. But that said. Um, Things can change very quickly. I mean, they're only, they're, you know, they're two points behind Cove. They're four points behind Wraith, so a win and a draw. Um, five points behind Hamel. But, but you know, already there's quite a clear kind of gap developing between Ayr right down to Queen's Park. Those will be the those will be the four, I think, who will be battling it out. You know, Ayr, Thistle, Dundee and Queen's will be the four who are battling it out for, um, for promotion. Um, what, what our both have to do is haul themselves into... Uh, that that mid table uh, area and very quickly. I mean, I hate saying this, but but you know because I like ambition in football. And you want clubs to shoot for the moon, but realistically, I think our growth are also a club that are in the, in the throes of rebuilding. They're rebuilding the club, the sense of community. They're rebuilding Gayfield to, to some extent. So what they need to do, I think, is survive. Uh, in, in the championship so that they become in two or three or four years time an established championship side I see no good reason why they can't do that they've got a very decent support base um, there's money going into the club a lot of people are now putting sponsorship into the club there's great work going on with uh, Mike Caird and, and, and the committee down there at Arbroath they've got a good manager they still have a good squad so I think for the moment, they simply need to regroup, regather, kind of try and figure out what's going wrong, and, and come back with a bounce. I'm hopeful. I certainly wouldn't be on the, I certainly wouldn't be high up on the panic skills at the moment. A couple of things that there's, a, yeah, more than more than a couple of things worry me, Sean. I mean, there's the inevitable after the Lord Mayor's show thing with Arbroath, and you kind of saw it a bit with it's a totally different circumstance. You, you saw it with St Johnson last season after double winning season. You see it time and time again when a when a club does the unexpected, or in their case, I mean, very close to the the unexpected. Oh, listen, what they did was unexpected, but you know what I mean. They nearly they nearly got up for crying out loud when there was inevitably going to be a a drop off. That what that's that's in the mix. There's, I think, the last thing that if you're an Arbroath, you don't want to see Queens Park go off to a flyer. You don't want to see Air United near the top of the league. Cove Rangers there or thereabouts is is reassuring, but you know there's a couple. You know the table's a wee bit lopsided as far as you know to the, than would be to their liking. And there's a lot of there was a lot of movement of players that you know you're kind of synonymous with what our growth have done over the last two or three years. Going, you know, it, it, there's a few things that, there's a few things on the boil, aren't there? That that you know while while I agree with Jim, we're not talking panic, but I do think. I do think they're in for a relegation battle. Let's put it that way. Yeah, well, it looks more likely that than the than the promotion battle that last season was certainly. And yeah, I mean, I think you're right to mention the departure of of some pretty key figures uh, in the dressing room. Um, guys, guys who've played a big role over over a few seasons. There, uh, it does feel like a sort of a, a shifting of some sort of tectonic plates, if you like, at Arbroath, because at that, at that point, you know, when you lose guys. <clears throat> like Jason Thompson, for instance, who's been a big part of, of what's going on there for a, a, a long time, then uh, it is it becomes a it becomes a, a rebuild to an extent, you know, um, and that is obviously a tough job uh, at part time level, especially when the part time players that you have had have hit the heights that the ones are both had essentially became the, the I mean by a mile the best part time team uh, in Scotland. Um, I mean, it's interesting enough that you know the, the likes of Thompson, for instance, has has gone to 
he's still still he's remained part time. He's going to Kelly Hearts, who you know aren't short of a bob or two, so they're probably paying him quite well. Um, so that, that's the risk, you know, when you're when you're successful at that level. That that, that there are clubs who. You know, if they can pay better, I'm not saying Kelly Hearts are definitely paying them more than our broth, but you know, uh, it, it wouldn't shock me if it was comparable, maybe more. And certainly, I think Jason Thompson's a, a Fife guy, so uh, that would have been a temptation for him. But the the job that it leaves at our broth is to is to try and dig out more of these top quality part time players in Scotland and and build another team. And I don't think that's the job of five minutes. Um, so. In terms of this season, it does look a wee bit like like it could be a, a kind of regrouping season, and it could be there's a nothing bit more wrong with a challenge that. There's, than last there's nothing year. Wrong no, there with isn't. That, no, absolutely. Know? It's you know, football's a cyclical mm-hmm. thing, and unless you're, <clears throat> I mean, I was going to say unless you're Celtic, I suppose even Celtic fans would say it's cyclical mm-hmm. for them as well because they had they had one season where they didn't win the league. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it's it's a little bit more up and down for other clubs, and 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 yeah, uh, this is this is you know, our both have done miraculously well last season. So and previous seasons to be promoted uh, you know back to back so uh, for them to have a a season where they don't quite hit those heights you know you could say that's to be expected um the the interesting thing will be you know if we get into sort of december january and they're, and they're at the bottom of the league or or, or adrift yeah, then you know the question inevitably will, will start to be asked won't it about 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 the manager and that I mean, given what he's achieved at the club, I mean that that would be um, it would be a difficult one for a lot of people um, at Arbroath. I think to 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 have to face down. Um, no, so I'm... yeah, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting see a season of flux at Arbroath certainly, but it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. I think you I think you make good points there, Sean. And I, you know, even before the ball was kicked, I would have said a successful season for Arbroath would be. Mid table, um, so if if they happen to get through this season surviving, however they do that, and they have a transition and all the things you know, the clubs making strides off the off off the pitch, then I think that's a perfectly perfectly acceptable season f- for our growth. And yeah, it's it, nothing to be nothing to be ashamed. Of. You know, we're kind of moan about you know when we or we joke about you know when. Our both, as in, as in Dick and maybe even Rab and he's calling with us, you know, we're downplaying it up until, you know, the clocks had changed again, you know, they were still talking about the importance of staying up, you know, when they were top of the league or, or thereabouts, you know, after the, after the new year, we're kind of, we're kind of rolled our eyes saying who you kidding type thing. But no, this is one of these seasons where I think you legitimately say, you know, yeah, let, let, let's have a wee bit of reality kick in. We refocus and we, you know, we make sure that we're better than, Better than Cove Rangers, and if and if it has to be, well, let's face it. Let's let's hope they're better than Cove Rangers and one other because you you don't want to go through anything traumatic like playoffs and all the rest of it. So, no mid table would do fine, and there's no reason to think that that uh, a manager a Dick, Dick Camel's experience and quality can't can't yet pull that off. Well, thank you, gentlemen, Gary Barlow and Robbie Williams. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a pleasure this week, and uh, we'll be back next week with goodness knows which which nineteen nineties band Jim will be speaking to before it. Yes. Yeah? <laughs> All right, guys, and thanks for listening. Bye, just Cheers, boys. <laughs>
If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find Talking Football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday, or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.